welcome, welcome to episode 116 of Planning Face Syndicate. Thank you for joining us tonight. We are back with another amazing episode tonight with a special guest, Ryan Stanizuki. Stanizuki. My God, it's not even the beginning of the uh, end of the night. So uh, we have Ryan on, a local of ours who went very, very far in Nova. And we decided because he had such a unique list, what we wanted to do is have him on to actually have a conversation about unique list building in this type of a meta. We're also going to be going through the AMG website. We have our roll call series. And if that wasn't enough, we are going to be covering the Spain. I think it's the world qualifier that just happened just this weekend. With that being said, let's bring in my host and guest tonight. Please welcome JJ. You are a Lions fan now officially. And today was a disappointing <laughs> loss uh, yes. in the fourth quarter there. Yes, it was a disappointing loss there. Uh, the Giants did incredibly well um, in the second quarter. It was a crazy roller coaster of emotions, but it was a good day for football. Uh, but I'm excited to, to talk X-Wing Man and Ahsoka, hopefully later on. So, Yes, and if we get it, so here's the deal. If we could get through tonight's material after, we'll do our after-hours show where we will cover Ahsoka Episode 5, because so far, um, that's probably been my favorite one. Also joining us is Ryan Stanizuski. Welcome to the show, every or Ryan. How are you tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, sad the lines lost, but glad I didn't watch the game because they lost. So <laughs> win win. So I watched the beginning of the game, and it was a pretty good game at the beginning. And I don't know what happened after I turned it off. So <laughs> I was like, uh, I guess it's it a seemed like a combination of the turnovers from what I've I heard and, and saw about in the score box, and then also just. Our defense couldn't stop them when they were on offense in the entire second half. So yeah, yeah. that's the not good uh, formulas for success. Yeah. No. Well, and JJ is typically a Giants fan. He has to wear his Giants jersey now every week because of the fact <laughs> that he lost a bet to me and has to wear a Lions hat. I had to buy him a Lions hat because he didn't even own one. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, they don't sell them in North Carolina. They've never heard of them. That's why. <laughs> uh, I don't blame them. They haven't been viable for years. <laughs> Yes. So welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you on. If you don't know Ryan, he's obviously from GSP, but we know him locally from all of the local tournaments that he hosts and attends. Speaking of local tournaments, if you are in Michigan, Michigan GT is this year. We really need you to go out and sign up, though, because with the new AMG regulations, we've had two store kits donated to us, but I can't give anything out if people don't come. So. Uh, if you are planning to attend Michigan GT, I um, we 100% are going to do the same thing we did last year. Um, basically, last year, we gave out all of the money you paid in tickets went back. We have some special cards that we um, had Alex create for us for the Michigan GT uh, with the Michigan GT logo and everything on them. And they are very neat. Those will be faction prize cards um, as well as our planning face syndicate cards that we authorized and we'll have some of those for giveaways as well so if you are planning on going it is the first real weekend in october the 7th i believe let me double check it's a sixth yeah, or the seventh it is the seventh yeah. okay so i thought um so we would really love to have you and like i said if we can get enough people we give away two store kits so that would be two championship tickets on the line with that being said, I think there's also a store kit being ran in Ypsilanti on September 30th. 
Um, there is a store kit in Ontario, Canada, which is next weekend, actually. So if you are in Detroit area or Ohio, it's really not that far of a drive, in fairness. And it's kind of fun to go to Canada if you have the ability to go. So. All right. Well, let's get into our first segment. Let's do our roll call segment. He wanted to go over Fen Rao tonight. So our roll call segment essentially is looking at underutilized pilots or upgrades that can be utilized. JJ, what is Fen Ra and why did you choose them? So let's go over the card first. So this is a crew that can be used in either Rebels or Scum. Uh, he costs seven points and he reads before friendly ship at range zero to two engages. If its reveal maneuver is a speed one or higher and there is an enemy ship at its front arc at range one, that friendly ship may remove one non-lock red token. Um, the reason I'm being, I bring this up is because particularly for Scum, we're seeing a, a big increase of use of Fang Fighters, uh, a big increase of use of uh, the Rogue Class Starfighters and uh, with their action bar that has linked actions for like a boost into focus or evade and so on, um, you tend to have a lot of those ships that end up stressed out. And now for the Fang Fighters in particular, they love to be at range one. Um, and to do that, they tend to reposition a lot in order for them to uh, take advantage of the range one bonuses that they get defensively and end up stressed. Now, what ends up happening a lot of times with those Fang Fighters is that they get excuse me, a really good, um, a really good shot for that initial joust. And then because they're stressed, they have a hard time keeping time on target because they are still stressed. Now, this is where Fen Rao crew comes in. Um, if you're able to have a ship in your list that is able to equip uh, this Fen Rao, it is seven points. It is a little bit of a steep cost considering all the different options that are available at the crew slot. Um, but this helps unlock that dial for those flying fighters so that way on the following turn if they're able to they can do a talent roll if they need to or they could do a hard one and barrel if they need to and keep their their arcs uh trained on the target that they're trying to pursue and i think that makes them a lot more effective especially when you look at the world class starfighter as well that doesn't have those hard turns uh being able to remove a stress and then be able to do a hard one which is white um is really really valuable for that particular chassis That'd be fun if this was in CIX. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got droids. They can land on rocks. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> what are your thoughts, guys? So I I think Fen Rao had a little bit of play before the last points update on the Mandalorian. Uh, Crispy yeah. was trying that out. He did it. Brought that to him. Brought him success in a GSP online event. And uh, it was interesting. At least um, I think. The coupling, because he used to be four points, Fenrau crew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the coupling of Fenrau pilot in realistically both factions, Scum and Rebel, but mainly Rebel at this point being so prevalent, like that's taking your ability to take Fenrau crew anyway. Like I just tried out building, like, what if I took Han with Bistan, Baze, Malbus, and Fenrau? Does that all fit? It does. It actually fits his full Lauda. He can take that, but he's not taking Fenrau pilot as a, as a wingmate, which is a pretty big downgrade, I think. Um, in scum, at least, I think you can actually build scum without Fenrau pilot. Um, but all the ships that I'd want to put Fenrau crew on because he's now seven points of loadout, and a lot of those loadouts got slashed with their discount on their squad cost, it's really hard to fit him in. It really is. 
So do you think that it would be beneficial to bring his costs down? Because like I would like to run him on Dengar, for example, right? Like to me, he would be a great addition to Dengar. But when you only get 11 points, it's kind of like uh, I'm, I'm not going to invest seven points in, in Fen. Yeah, well, that and you'd have to not take Punishing One to take Fenrir crew as well. Because once True. you take Punishing One, you lose the crew. I think it's a ship like the Razor Crest is a big one. Anything with with a predominantly difficult dial to handle at this point would be so be very beneficial what are you guys thoughts on putting him uh specifically on scum on the dace bone arm uh, that has 12 loadout i mean you can equip it with moldy crow and you have seven or you have 12 points to play around with this consumes seven you still got loadout to put on um contraband or bomb or anything uh, what are your thoughts i think that helps let dace bone arm boost without taking engine upgrade and mm -hmm. That four points, because you essentially would be spending three points for engine or or plus four to do Fenrous. You'd, you'd either be saying, this is useful for me when I either boost or jam or link rotate, because it has all that, mm -hmm. um, and help its uh, friendly ships too. So it, it's that's not bad, I think. It's hard for me not to like invest in putting an illicit and notorious on today's bone arm, but I think that Fenrous crew on Dace is probably one of the few spots I'd consider because not only does he have the loadout for it, him as a pilot at four points isn't that high of an investment to get that crew. Yeah. And yeah. if you lose if you lose Dace, it's not the end of the world, right? You know? Yeah. I mean and on top of that, you know, Dace being four points, you could fit four other four pointers in your list. I mean you're looking at at least two Fang fighters that can go in there plus Cat and Dirge. Um, you're going to have initiative four for the most part with dirge being that initiative five, um, that, that could be pretty good. Especially with CAD's ability. Hey, if you think about that too, fully yeah. execute red move, gain two focus tokens. If you have Fenrir crew yeah. nearby with Dace active, just do it again. Yeah. Be good. Yeah. See, that one seems very beneficial. So, uh, too bad. It would be nice to see a little bit more of Fen in play. I did run I did use to run Fen um when we would when when I ran scum, but that was when he was four points. So it was definitely a benefit at four points. But now at seven it's a little harder. So because yeah. there's so many other crew at seven points or less that, you know, are just beneficial. Yeah. And, and I wonder especially for scum if it's particular to do should the loadouts go back up a little bit or should some of those upgrades that did go up in cost come back down a little bit like which is the lever to pull first that makes the most sense for them and i honest i don't know i mean you can play around with like adding maybe one or two loadout value up and decreasing the the cost by one or two just so you don't have to worry about um like breaking some of the some of the chassis that could take some of the really really good crew and just lowering the the targeted ones without having to widely affect and unbalance the 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 faction from being too good um you know just those minor tweaks like that might make it playable well, i think i think too if you think about it with scum like they worry about it breaking the meta so much but in the long run i think it it really doesn't do what they think it is going to do like it's just I get the scariness of scum, but we haven't seen it be outside of Boba, you know, Eamon Kanan or Boba Pando Kanan or anything. We haven't seen anything so insane. And like, if you're that worried about Boba, then just fix Boba. 
right? Like, give us some, like, I'm okay with you giving, if you need to take Boba away just so that we can have a bunch of really cool stuff, great. Retool Boba, give me a different one, and kind of like what they did in CIS, and let's call it a day. Like, let's let's stop, you know, you know, like, hanging around here and and worrying about that. I don't know. It, it would yeah, be nice I, to see I, some I, I can't wait for the potential of, like, a, any of the fire sprays, realistically, because I think that's we, what we're seeing right now with the loadout going down and some of the cost of the upgrades that went up, the two factions that featured, well, the only two factions that have fire sprays, but when their fire sprays are not dominant, their faction is not good. That's just baseline what we're seeing here. Um, there are other pieces that can be good. There's not enough two or three, or sorry, three or four point things in scum that hang around. Like I looked at it a couple days ago. Scum doesn't have a ship that has a three, a printed three die attack at four points or less other than a fang fighter right now. You could count Dace Bonearm with the Moldy Crow if you want. That's it, right? Like, whereas if you look at most of their factions, they have two or three, right? You have FO with DT Scorch, um, the B- TIE BA with Ember. You have the TIE SFs. That's like three right there. You have Rebels with X-Wings and Republic Arcs, all very efficient. So I, they're just really missing, like, because even if you look around, to even get the firepower you're looking for, you have to invest in those heavier lifting ships that are six points or seven points. And they currently don't have the loadout or the tools you need to hang, probably. Because some pieces has come have had some success but you can't just you can't put them all together in one list yeah that's the problem yeah and it would be nice to see some of those smaller ships in scum get it get a a little bit more of a boost you know like i don't know like the problem is do you want to retool all the ships you know that seems silly that we have to retool all these ships you know but i can't really have two point m3a's <laughs> you know like, i don't yeah. i don't know how good that would be for the game um, I, I i think two point sunny would be fine do you, do, do you I, yeah, with five loadout? Yeah. yeah, with five loadout, no, I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, I'm counting here. So, not able to take an eye on Ganon, bro. Like, you're looking or at Sunny with, yeah. like, what? what is Sunny's current, like, slots available? I don't even know. Uh, I can tell you that. Whether I'm not a scum see. player. So, what I can so tell she you has about... mod, a mod slot and then the weapon's hard point. Okay, she's got no talent. Okay, so. Yeah. I don't know. Give her four points. Let her pick a missile or something if she ever wants to take a target lock or a thread tracer. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. So make sun, make 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 sunny two points. I think it'll be fine. She doesn't have any crazy uh, movement. She she's just a regular ship. She he don't know which. Yeah, and only at I one too. I mean, yeah. yeah I cool. will say I will say I've watched Zach use Sunny very effectively, and if you have good dice, like Sunny is just insane. I've watched well, Zach That's the roll. big part, though. It's if. If she has good dice. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to make Zach happy, and I think Sunny should okay. get two points. <laughs> Alright, well, he, will, he, he would be ecstatic at that, because I've, like, I, in our locals, he will literally, like, when he was running Sunny, he would look over at me and be like, alright, I just rolled two hits and a crit. Do I go ahead and re-roll the crit to see if I get a hit so I can add another one? I was like, hell yes, because at this point, Everything's a variable, Zach. Come on. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I think that's enough for Fenral. I, I do think we should. I don't know. Like the question is, like we could we could theorize about what we should do with Scum all day, but we don't make the decisions. And I don't think AMG watches our show, 
So um, I can't say that it's going to be influ influential enough to make a difference. Um, I do think they need to do something with Scum, and maybe maybe they will. So maybe they're just setting us up, right? Because we have some of the new packs coming out. We know there's going to be some more um, stuff coming. Maybe they're just setting us up to go, here, you guys had a Rebel meta, now we're going to give you a Scum meta, which I'm here for because I, I would love to put more Scum on the table because I feel Scum is one of the funner factions, though I probably shouldn't say that because Charles would be like, remember when you used to shit all over Scum? And I'll be like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, yep. But I do love playing Scum just because of the weird variability of it. So, all right. For the next portion, I felt it would be fun to highlight, and, and then I promise we'll get into the, the Ryan segment. But I, I wanted to kind of go through, just, just highlight a little bit about the new AMG website. And for as much as much as we've talked about AMG and some of the issues I have with their communication style and stuff like that, I will tell you this website is off the charts. I love this website. I feel that it, we all kind of scoffed at them that it took them like two years to put this together, but I'm telling you, I'm here for what they have. Um, and uh, my favorite piece is this little Ewok thing right here. And it's only because I, I, I don't, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm going to get the Ewoks, but I'm telling you right now, when I played Star Wars Destiny, Ewoks were my favorite thing to play, and people hated it. So, <laughs> I did buy a Shatterpoint set, weirdly enough. I just, I haven't opened it, because I got a deal on it, and I just haven't opened it, and I don't know if I want to open it and paint it, or just sell it to someone else. Um, Same, Ewoks actually. <laughs> Do you, oh, you have one too? You haven't painted I, I, I have the Shatterpoint core set, Grievous and Dooku. I just haven't opened them. I haven't had time, nor have I, like, had... I don't know of a community in, in my area that plays it in a time that I can join. So it's currently sitting there like maybe or maybe I sell it to someone else. Fine. And I'm in that same boat because like I would like to do it, but I'm not a great painter. So like for me, painting is the tedious piece. So that's why I didn't get into Legion at all because I didn't want to paint anything. That's why X-Wing when somebody's like, oh, you can't play Destiny, come play X-Wing. It just made more sense to me. Um, sure. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not like... I'm not big on the painting part of it either. Like I tried Legion for a bit because I used to play Warhammer 40k, but I never got around to finishing painting my models. So I knew like, all right, if I ever get back into one of these things, it's got to be Star Wars. Well, then Legion came out. I'm like, I'm going to hold off on Legion. Maybe, maybe I might get into it. Then the Clone Wars Legion came out. Like, all right, I kind of have to now, right? So they mm -hmm. paint my army of droids or whatever. The B1s were easy, uh, but um, I just never finished anything else and didn't get a ton of games in and then COVID hit. So really couldn't play any games. So I sold off. I, when I had the chance, I sold off all my Legion stuff that I had. And I was like, all right, I'm never getting into a full scale army game again. And then they come out with like Shatterpoint skirmish. And I'm like, well, dang it. These models are cooler. There's less of them. It's skirmish. Like they, they, they ticked the boxes. So I guess I got to try it. So I'm glad I haven't opened anything up yet. Cause I sure wouldn't have gotten far with anything. Yeah, and like, I, I'm happy to hear that. The, I guess if you, I don't know if anybody watched many extravaganza, but I tuned in, you know, a couple of different times, especially for the Shatterpoint stuff. Again, I'm not. I don't know the the Legion thing just doesn't excite me because it's just too much. It's just too much for me. Um, but the Shatterpoint stuff, it was exciting what they revealed. But there's a lot less models coming. I just know with NCP, there's so many bloody things that they do. And I, I, I could never keep up. Like, I'd have to quit playing X-Wing to play that. And I'm just not going to do that. Um, 
So well, it's definitely something like when I when I when I looked at considering getting a shatter point, I'm like, all right, I'm not buying everything. No, seriously, Ryan, I'm not buying <laughs> everything. So I already know I'm not doing that, which is good. I'm focusing myself into like I, I know that sure I will like the separatist stuff and probably buy it. That's where I started. I have a huge soft spot for the Rebel Spectre crew. So whenever they come out with that pack, yeah. I might buy that, depending on my current state of if everything's still in the box and wrapped. Um, <laughs> and then uh, something else might catch my eye, but like I'm not buying everything. I'm not, no Imperials, no Rebels, maybe Inquisitors. They look cool, but I'm trying to focus myself into what I really enjoy, really get behind. Uh, anything for the Rebels TV show might, might get me yeah see that that's that's the problem with me and and uh getting to shatterpoint is because i would have the same dilemma because i'm a completionist so when i first started uh getting into miniatures gaming x-wing and armada were my two games and i've literally bought every single thing for both games and then i just had to drop armada um it's currently being held in my brother's place in florida but <laughs> but like i i had that that feeling so i'm like you know what i should really get into shatterpoint and then i'm looking at all these stuff and i'm like yeah that's gonna be a lot of time painting and assembling and then i have no place to put them so yeah no just stay away <laughs> yep. i actually still have a uh armada i tried for a bit and then i i shelved it and sold what i had and then they came out with clone wars armada and i was like oh crap separatist so i bought into that eventually when it was on a good deal during covid um so but it's many tangents back to the website this website's awesome it's yeah. really good now and some people were like posting screenshots like the first couple of days like oh look at this they have this wrong or there's a typo or there's two aether sprites and a torrent and not two torrents and an aether sprite in the guardians of republic back or stuff like that i don't care about all that stuff the guts, the foundation, what this has here is amazing. This is awesome. Yeah. So this is like the homepage. So they have their, you know, obviously whatever they want to showcase, right? But then they immediately have, do you want Marvel or do you want Star Wars, right? And they're clickable links, like immediately off the bat. Like, and, and like I, again, I have, I have openly complained about AMG's communication abilities, but this website, Fix like it brings them a little bit, in my opinion, back into some good graces in that aspect because they, it's immediately easy, it's accessible. They then have a new and upcoming releases with a scrollable yeah. page, like for Christ's sake, like that's amazing. Um, and then you know, you can kind of come down there and they do their you know, miniature assembly and painting guy, whatever. I don't care about that. Um, but they do have it if you like that piece of it. Now, if you go to the Star Wars piece, they have like a whole drop down menu. For it and they have each of the different games and then they have a secondary drop down menu with its own home page right so x-wing and, and and again i care about the other stuff but this is you know this is what we're here for we're an x-wing podcast not an armada podcast right they they have a whole in, in information about their latest transmissions which in fairness we've seen how many come out since they did this too and i know they're a little late but whatever they've they they gave us like two introspectives on the Thai bomber and the YT 2400, right? So yeah. we have content and this is so much better than the FFD site. <laughs> like the FFD yeah. site compiles in comparison to this. Now maybe FFG also updated their site, but like you can find things here. Yeah. Like just being able to click on this X-Wing and have rules and organized play transmissions product, like just being able to like touch those things. 
that easily, to me, brings everything back in, in good graces. Then you have your new releases specifically for our game. And it takes you, you can learn more about it. It'll take you to where it is. And then they again have their rules and organized play. The only thing that's not on here that I couldn't find was the forum. Um, I didn't see the forum. Uh, I don't in think it's, no, not that I think about it. But granted, the only time I've interacted with the forum is when I search for the rules forum for questions and answers for rules related yeah. things. But I mean, and they have, they look, they have your rules reference, an FAQ in errata. It looks so much cleaner than it did before. Like before, it looked like it was a cheap web page. This looks like a professional loadout page right here. They give you ship points and previous ship points the same way. Um, they give a special scenarios pack and then your turn tournament regulations. Um, oh, they do have a rules forum. I did not yeah, see it's this all the way down the bottom. Here. Yeah, I didn't see this <laughs> earlier last week, so I don't know if they added it or if it's always here, but you can click it. Oh, my God. Look at that. All right. So they have everything and it takes you to the correct forum, by the way, <laughs> like it takes you to our forum yeah. and not everybody else's. So, yeah, that's a nice touch there. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, props to them for getting all this out there. I know it's been a long time coming, um, but uh, now that it's here, I'm so glad that we have it because, you know, now that, you know, we have new people that are interested in the game and want to join in the game, you know, we can direct them to this, you know, they have an actual website that they can go to take a look at all the rules and stuff. Uh, take a look at all the different uh, models that they can purchase and stuff. They have an actual website with that centralized directly from the uh, provider and maker of the game, and they can read up on everything. And if they want to go beyond that, you know, we can provide them the information as well through our various discords and stuff. Um, but it's nice to have a nice centralized location to direct newer players who are interested in the game. Yeah. So I want to highlight one other thing real quick before we 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 kind of move on. Um, and then we're, we'll we'll get into the Ryan segment here. That's that's kind of what we want to do. So what I want to do is is I have openly stated some of my disagreements with how AMG um, communicates and things like that. I feel that this creates a genuine step forward towards them being more open and honest with us. And originally we talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about their mini extravaganza and, and we had some issues with, with how they did things. And somebody brought to our attention, somebody messaged us and said, hey, sometimes you guys are so damn negative. So what I want to say is, is I want to apologize to people. If you feel that way, you get Tanner's raw thoughts. And if you, if you, if you ever hang out with me, I'm just kind of, uh, I vomit uh, my, my feelings onto people. That's just me, right? And whether that's good or bad, that's just that's me. But I think one of the things that we can kind of recognize here is with the fact that we've kind of come back from COVID, we are doing more in-person stuff. AMG is being more um, involved in different events. I feel that the, the, the whole um, mini extravaganza, if they just explain that they're using it as a way to help paint models, we don't have to be worried about them giving us information because I don't think that they're giving us like I watched some of them. There wasn't like such shattering reveals for some of these other games that we didn't get it at Adepticon, right? Like so Adepticon gave us a lot of information about all their games and it kind of feels like that's what they're moving to. Um, could they communicate that better? Yeah, sure. Um, but like I, I don't the concern we had about the game and 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 it, us not being featured in many extravaganza like that's fine. Like, hey, maybe they could do a painting next week stream, but 
how many times do we do that? And then everybody goes on and complains. Oh my God, where is the new content? Why are you doing this, the game? And, and in fairness to them, that gets tiring, right? Like that's a tiring thing. So we are, as a community, we are not all about the painting piece of X-Wing. And I hope AMG never moves to the, we have to buy models and paint them because <laughs> that's, that's it's just going to ruin it for me. Um, but I do want to say this website kind of felt like a, a very positive step forward for them. And I think we should give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Anyone have anyone else anything else they want to talk about about the website before we move on? I mean, honestly, too, I, I know that for a lot of people's frustrations, you know, the game isn't at a place where they would like it to be. And that's understandable. Right. But at the same time, you know, just like, you know, your favorite show. Right. You may not like a show after the first few episodes, but after you finish watching it entirely, then you have an entirely different opinion of the show. And I think it's the same thing with AMG. You know, there there might be things that come out in the short run you may not agree with, but in the long run, it helps build upon what they have in mind for the game, what they have planned out for the game. I mean, I know that when 2.5 came out, it was something that was big and you know there's a lot of controversy over when that came out released but now honestly I, I can't really think of playing x-wing any other way without objectives and i'm actually happy with the 2.5 changes especially after they came out with the rebalances with the different scenarios and of course the pilot points and upgrades that is an ongoing process for for balancing you know we're never going to get a perfect game it's always something that will always evolve when time goes on we just got to have a little patience with it and just hope that you know that they have their the best intentions with the community in mind going forward and we know that they're going to make it a great game can I raise my hand and say, can we go back to the seven ship uh, Republic meta? Can I can I have my seven ship Republic oh, list I mean, back that does well? You just Hold on, Mon 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 monkey's paw. You get you get eight you get eight ship CIS, and that's all good. right. Never mind. All right, never mind. I'll take that instead. Can I have a viable eight ship list? Like you're telling me, I can have a viable eight ship list? All right, sign me up. Yeah, never mind. I you agree. can keep keep Republic the way it is. I want my CIS eight ship list. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> um, I do want to highlight one particular thing with the website is that if you go to the individual products on the site, they have like full size card art. Like the art images they show on the site are probably really close to the final worked on image in full size almost as you probably will get in this industry. Um, beyond just them printing poster size, like um, these, these would probably be the highest quality images you're going to see of these cards in a while. Yeah, that is true. And I yeah. do like, I do like their new art style. I will tell you, like yes. buying some of that new card art, like is it, it really tickles my fancy, I guess. Yeah, I, I happened to buy the starter pack uh, set for the Empire, and I was looking at those upgrade cards. And I'm like, man, I, I wish we would have had this from the beginning because they're so much more clear and they're they're nice. And it's it's nice to have that all that text, like the way that formatted those new cards, it, they just look really great. I'm really, really impressed with it. I will say shout out to Corey Heald, whose cards look better. But I mean, outside of that, <laughs> minus that, Corey's are better, but then AMG. Oh, sorry. Anyway, 
All right, let's move on to our next segment. So the reason we wanted to have Ryan on is is we wanted to do an Academy 101 segment where we actually talk about list list building in this meta, right? And so I think we've done before where you could submit lists, we could tweak them, we could have these conversations about different lists. But what I think is is unique is there's a couple of different things. Like AMG has openly told us they believe there's more combos, more things outside of the meta that the meta is not solved. And, and I think one of the concerns a lot of people have, right, is that we get into these building things, we see all these lists come out, they hit really hard, and then everybody goes, well, there's nothing we can do, we just have to fly just what we see. And I think part of the love of X-Wing is building your own list, making it yours, making it unique. So we thought, well, hey, Ryan took a list we had not seen specifically. Like, yes, we've seen a few of those components before. Don't get me wrong. But Ryan took a list that we had not seen dominate the top of the spectrum over and over again and made something uh, special that he was able to make top four at Nova with and possibly could have even gone to the final um, if it hadn't been, you know, 10 games in. So um, with that being said, what I wanted to do is let's review Ryan's list for our Academy 101 segment. So, Ryan, there's no reason for us to go through your list. Why don't you tell us what you ran and why you specifically picked the one upgrade that I approve of across the board, even though everybody thinks I'm crazy for loving that um, upgrade. So um, so I'll go through the pilots first. Um, it's, it's resistance, quote, 5T70, right? It's the five four-cost ships. Sometimes people uh, throw in a three a three five combo instead of all four whatever elo temin jess first three t70s i'll grab two um i ended up with lulo as one of the pieces that wasn't a t70 and kaz so we've seen plenty of iterations of this whether it's actually complete five t70s whether it's four t70 kaz four t70 zori whatever or four t70 jarek where one of the t70s is nine multiple combinations um i and i think that list had generally performed well that archetype overall and i think what i've slowly started to to discover and i'm surprised it kind of took me this long to really formulate this uh for people who are familiar with the terms control and beatdown um, they're commonly used in magic, which I don't play. This is this is why some of these terminology is kind of a little newer to me and how it's actually um, put into practice. But I tend to be the beatdown type of player where I want to get up and force my aggression on my opponent generally early, but my late game will generally suffer. The longer my stuff hangs around and the longer I let my opponent hang around, the worse the game is going to go for right and 5t70 is pretty much that arc the arc, trip arcs padme is that right your han luke fen keo or your han uh four ship with two a's i think sabine tai and luke that's like somewhere in between sometimes they can play either side of the board and also highly depends on what you're playing against right if you are more of the control player where um like if i in my five uh ship resistance went up against the three arcs padme anakin 
I think I'm still the beat down in that list because he has the ace of Anakin. And just the fact the longer I let those arcs live and hang around, the more they could chip away and burn down my T70s, right? He, they could think the same thing about my list, like the longer my T70s hang around, but I don't have that sort of endgame kill closer potential like that Anakin or just the arcs controlling the board state and and generally controlling objectives better than I can because they have a lot of passive mods. They share things. They can press buttons, pick up boxes, control points a lot better in assault, etc. So knowing that I've kind of come to accept, not accept because I have played control style list. My world's list was very much the control level because it Anakin 7B. It had born for this things. It had Obi and the Ada. Like that was pure do objectives, stay alive, let my ace win the game type of thing, right? So this, uh, when putting it together, um, I went through sort of the early iterations of, okay, you know, oh, here's, we're going to throw some basic upgrades on these ships. Like, I want Kaz to have Notorious because I want Kaz to hang out with Jess uh, because I want, when I want, when I want to put a wingmate next to Jess, I want it to not be an easy decision to shoot the non-Jess partner, right? Because the idea is you want them to have to try and kill Jess, who has those re-rolls. Uh, but I, but if they just fire at the other target and it's an easy target to kill, or there's no consequences for shooting that target, then they're just going to shoot the other target, right? So, uh, and then Temin, you know, throwing stuff like HLC R68, LO, I think I had Pred, Crack, Jamming Beam, I tried out Vanessa early on just to have that rear arc threat potential and just trying it out and like knowing that, oh, I have the tool of focus link barrel roll and still throwing a three die attack with the barrage rocket, right? It's actually seemed pretty appetizing to me. I liked it. Um, none of that had Pharaoh's fear of paint early on. Spoiler is to what we're going to get to in the Tanner's favorite card in this list. Um, <laughs> it was a, it, it was a small thing that came up in discussion with, in a, within our discord of like, Hey, so we'll be like, maybe people should try Ferrosphere more. And then that's when that's when you got to look at when you look at applying any sort of tech, right? It's generally never a good idea to grasp onto a tech because it counters one list or counters even two specific lists. Unless you expect those lists to literally occupy more than half of the like when you run when you go through a swiss event you have five games you're, you're going to play your goal in general is to make the top cut or make cut to advance to the next day so you need to plan for what are you most likely going to play within those five games sure mathematically right now you're likely to play a han probably about two to three times in an event right but that doesn't mean that you should go all in in techie against Han because that could lose you matchups somewhere else, right? Um, so you need to be careful how hard you go in on that type of stuff. Well, when looking at the suggestion of Ferrosphere, I looked at Pattern Analyzer um, and just took a look at what were the just strictly what are the most popular pilots right now, right? What are they using? What are the tools they have? What do they want to be doing, right? The most popular pilot in the game right now is Luke Skywalker. Boy, Luke. And he wants to shoot proton torpedoes. Sounds obvious, but he wants to lock and shoot proton torpedoes. And by no means does Ferrosphere paint stop him from doing that. 
he will still shoot his proton torpedo. A lot of times, you're probably more correct in just taking the lock and dealing with the stress and shooting the proton torpedo. But it makes my opponent think about that, and it makes Luke easier to catch the next turn. Right? If he's going in for a proton torpedo, and I'm trading shots with him a little bit, I'm probably not expecting to kill him in the first round unless he really screws up and just sells out to go, go after me, and I say, okay, and it just all my guns are on him, and he dies. That, that can happen, but I don't expect it to happen. So what I expect to happen, though, is he wants to shoot his proton torpedo, and either one or two things are going to happen. They're going to take a focus and shoot an instinctive vein torp, which it's not a terrible thing, but I'll take that over a lock to force torp. Or he's going to take a lock and be stressed if he doesn't have his initial target in bullseye, and I'm going to now know that if he wants to do any action next turn, Unless he ha unless he wants to escape, that is the one thing I need to make sure of with Boy Luke is he doesn't four or three straight out and attack speed boost because he can still do that since it's not an action in region. So as long as I catch him or an engineer an engagement where he doesn't have that escape out, I can then punish him for taking the stress to shooting that tort because none of these ships here that I have Elo, Temin, Lulo, Kaz, Jess they're not dying to a single tort. As long as I don't let Fen and Han take easy combined shots with Luke at one target, then I'm going to have something live. He's not going to kill something first turn, and I'm going to make sure Luke dies next turn, right? Beyond Luke, Malrus FO is in every FO list, right? And she wants to lock to shoot mag pulses or cluster missiles. Sure, she can use her ability twice and kind of not care about the stress, but that also means she's going to take some turns to remove that stre those stresses, potentially. Because I, I ended up facing Cody Wood, and he, Cody Wood's Malrus left the engagement with three stress. If that was an action-based objective game, he can't help anymore for a, quite a while. Um, Jag is a big one. Uh, Jag, with his ability to get those locks, like you generally want Wolf to actually use Wolfpack more than Wolf's ability. You don't want to use Wolf's ability until you know you're going to have a rear arc next turn. So Jag, in most engagements for Republic, wants to use his ability twice. Once from Oddball to then, or Padme, to then let Wolf use Wolf Pack lock. And then because Wolf shot next to Jag, Jag will get a lock for himself again. Now Jag could end that turn double stressed if he really wants to do that. And he can deal with one stress because he has R4P. He's very legitimate thing to use and have but two is probably a, a little bit much <laughs> so wolf is probably going to want to use his wolf charge instead which can be so suboptimal at points and then you just have all the smattering of stuff right anything that wants to bring magpulse you're going to get punished a little bit Thai BAs want nothing to do with Pharaohsphere unless they have you in bullseye before they reposition they want to they do their, like, I'm going to strain or deplete, lock, and focus. Well, if you lock first, you're going to get stressed because if you don't have me a bullseye. Uh, you have Bader. You have Merrick Steele, as I faced JJ, actually, in Swiss. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, he had a, he had a, he had a, a, a bad miscue move with, with Vizier that kind of wrecked his, his engagement. But even throughout the rest of the game, Vader and uh, Merrick were alive most of that game, and he can probably speak to how annoying Pharaoh's Fear was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally limits that, well. Yeah, 
when when vader wanted to lock stuff and now he's stressed i now know he can only do a certain set of moves if he wants to do all his actions he wants to do or k-turn at all um and then now you're looking at more people are picking up the sl tomax plasmex like again he with true grit he can mitigate the stress a bit which is nice it's so he instead of being ending double stressed he'd be single stressed and strained so you basically pull a kickback where he has a strain a stress a focus and a target lock the way kickback used to have his evade target lock stress strain mm-hmm. whatever um there's just a lot there enough things in the meta right now that want to lock and use either gain more attack dice because they don't have three at the start use munitions like proton torpedoes or use uh debuffing effects from munitions like magpulse and again i'm not stopping them from using it i'm just giving them consequences if they want to use it or make them really decide like there were plenty of games where my opponent would look at what they want to focus fire and they're like all right i've already got this ship lined up here and now i'm coming in with this other ship I'm going to get a lock and I'm going to shoot him with this munition. But I'll get stressed if I, if I try and lock the same ships, but I could lock, I can lock the other ship that I have in bullseye instead and not be stressed. Sometimes they don't focus fire and now they're just spreading damage. And I love that in this list because most of these guys can handle one shot. No problem. So because I wanted to focus on Ferrosphere, that's when Vanessa dropped off because she can't take barrage rockets in Ferrosphere, and went to a pilot. I generally had poo-pooed for quite a while. I was not a fan of Lulo recently. I thought Lulo, I mean, especially against Han, she gets chewed up, shot twice, got I-6s running around. But I think because he can also take Ferrosphere, and he's basically a T-70, I have another I-5 on the board with reposition capabilities and especially with boost and a rear arc. And because there's so many other targets on the board that are the same cost and have the same amount of firepower available, Lulo just kind of gets either lost in the shuffle or I flank wide enough that if they wanted to look at Lulo, they're leaving most of my other ships alone to do whatever they want. So is Lulo good in this list? I believe so. Worked out well. Is he good in all resistance lists? I don't think so. I think there's definite times where Lulo can be an easier target. Like if you look at an example would be, oh, I'm taking Poe Falcon, a four pointer and another four, like Poe, Lulo, Elo, BB-8 and Jarek, right? Let's take all I-5s, BB-8 and Poe Falcon. I don't think Lulo's going to do really well in that one. Um, so, so all of them took Ferrosphere in that list. So I have except has who has sorry false transponder codes, which um, basically makes sure it's another way of saying I don't like you locking, and I'm not going to let you choose one target that I that you will be able to lock easily. So I have one thing I have to say because Alex isn't here tonight. Is he told me to tell you he told you Lula was good? <laughs> like he has openly stated that, and he's like, "Yeah, Ryan dismissed me because I wanted Lula." And I was like, I don't know. Um, Again, I, I think it's very specific situations where this where Lulo can work. And there's some where he won't work. And I don't know the answer, the ones he will and won't outside of this list. 
I have my feelings in the other ones. I, I know in this one, he's felt good. Um, now, when it came to figuring out the rest of the upgrades, it was kind of like, I liked R68 to stay on Temin since other ships get bullseyes and he can get rerolls. I had two points left, just throw Heroic on there. There's no other thing really good for two points. And actually viable for T70s, make him annoying to hang around. Temin was an early target for a lot of my opponents because he was kind of the... Not the tip of the spear, but he was like the 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 lead in flanker with Lulo a little bit. So usually they don't they didn't go for Lulo, they went for Temin because he was I four and Lulo's I five, just how they would play. Yeah. Taz I, I wanted notorious, so false transponder codes targeting computer. Sorry, what were you saying? I was gonna say I think Temin is to some extent the easier target for people, but what they don't realize is with that free boost. Like Temin is extremely squirrely. Like to some extent, yeah. Temin can have a double reposition every turn, depending on where you are. Um, so I like it was kind of funny because Corey and I have talked about this multiple times. And like Temin, to me, Temin is one of the best four point ships in the game. If Temin had like three more loadout, hands down, Temin would be just off the charts amazing. Um, so. Uh, I think I think what's interesting is if Predator was two points, would you take Heroic or would you take Predator? Oh, Predator. Well, so, well, so I already have R68. So uh, that's... Hmm. I, I still say Heroic just for the chance of you getting defensive rerolls. Like, it's always good to live to shoot another round. So... Yeah, it mitigates the blank outs, which on a T70 can help their durability in the long run. I'm So normally I'm 100% pro-Predator over Heroic, but in this instance where I already have R68, I could still make a case that Heroic might be the more well-rounded kit. Yep. And if you think about it with Lulo running with Temin, you're getting a free Predator with that reroll droid, right? Like, that that's what that is, because... You know, Lulo has the ability to get um, bullseyes very easily if they want to. Like, really. Yeah. You know, on the opening engage, Lulo was a common enabler of R68. Um, and so Lulo, like, shield upgrades just stapled on him. It's really hard not to run shield on him. And then just after the Pharaohsphere, I actually went through a bit where I was trying Starboard Slash just because he could fly through things and I would strain them and I would shoot them with my rear arc and sounded great. And then I remind I was reminded by someone that there's a second sentence to Starboard Slash where if you do that, if you are still in the ship you flew through's arc, doesn't matter front or back or side, you also get strained. So with Han and arcs around, I said, oh, no, thanks. I'll just take marksmanship. Yeah, one green dice Lulo. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Not not even for one shot. I'm fine. Yep. Um, and like I said, I, I had notorious and false transponder code targeting computer cast. I dumped the last point just because. I mean, sure, I could have taken R four, and yeah, it's rare that I'm the one actually taking the lock with cast. But there were situations that happened and it mattered. Um, it I disallowed a Luke to get a second proton torpedo off before because. He already used a lock the previous turn, so he didn't have any tokens on him, like a stored lock on a rock or something. So I had my Kaz lock him to say, you can't now shoot your Protorp unless you take a single force modded instinctive aim to do it. 
She did, yeah. but Scherz was not as good of a proton torpedo. Yeah, when you the roll last... three blanks in one hit, you you about poop your pants as Luke. You go, all right, um, fuck this. <laughs> this is horrible. Sure. And that's why um, you need for that loadout, you need like, a coordinator like Rose in the list, and then it just kind of breaks the 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 functionality of the list. And then for Jess Pava, um, I know I, I ideally wanted a droid that added a charge for her. I wasn't married to that, though. Like, she was the original M9G8 carrier before I got onto Ferrosphere, um, which seems completely fine. Like, she has her own rerolls. She doesn't need a lock. She could pass on to somebody. It's no big deal. Well, I don't have that anymore because I took Ferrosphere. So um, I took BB, Astromech. Simple. I got two charges. But my God, if that upgrade card actually did a ridiculous amount of work for me at Nova. Um, actually using the charges not only for Jess's ability. The pre-move, the system phase roll into 4Ks or Talon rolls or one banks or two turns. I use that probably once a game. One of those charges was for Jess's ability and one of those charges was for the BB ability on average. There were probably more, more games later on in Nova that I used that both those charges for BB's ability because it was so it's necessary, like it, impactful. It actually mattered a lot. Yeah, I mean, and in fairness, you you like you, you like to run Adis, so you literally just said, "Hey, Jess can become a, a pseudo Ada to some extent." Huh? Yeah, I I sure like parking, like being able to say, "I want Jess to go here," but if she goes here, there's a rock in front of me. Well, now I don't care. I am putting Jess where she needs to go and do what she wants to do. And I will move her later as long as she doesn't take a disabled power regulator crit. I'll be fine. Or damage sensor ray. That would also be terrible. Yeah. Or panic pilot. There's a few more now that I think about it, but hopefully she hasn't lost shields yet. <laughs> um, and uh, the final five points on Ella was the big question mark for a while for because sure, I could throw M9G8 on there. I could throw Predator um, Heroic. I could throw Crackshot Marksmanship um, after Ferrosphere, obviously. Um, M9G8 and Plasma were the sort of my top two for a while. I liked that I could M9 Lulo, because Lulo had the most time on target in the list, and uh, was I5. Like, I don't have Predator on Lulo or a way to get rerolls, so I was just relying on my own dice and a focus result, or a lock sometimes. Um, so I was like, that seems viable, but there was almost every game. I wanted Elo to do a reposition the first turn. Whether it was a barrel, whether it was a boost, I wanted Elo to get better position to follow up a good second turn engagement. And I found that after using Plasma, because Elo can shoot first, Normally, Lulo and Temin were kind of leading that flank a little bit. Elo was either was like between Jess, Kaz, Combo, and the flank, or kind of following the back of that flank. And and it, it really wasn't a hard flank by any means. It was really just, I'm approaching from a different vector, closing in the same thing, basically. They could point and shoot at me if they want, but they couldn't point and shoot at Kaz and Jess and Lulo and Temin. They had to pick one of those sets of uh, ships. So Elo's commonly not the first target because he's at the range three band. So I'm trying to look for that long range plasma lock, shoot that off, strip some early shields, maybe get crits with marksmanship or just 
let everyone else shoot and try and do some real damage to the ship. But the the other part that actually worked out really well, like because that's the obvious thing. Like I'm gonna use plasma as my first shot of the game. Really good. But the fact that Elo can talon roll white and still get actions because it's a white move commonly put Elo in situations where either I'm far enough back to where I want to deny the range three bonus. And I like for them to be able to look at me would take so much commitment to do that. And there's so many other targets they can go after that. Elo's very free to do that talent roll and take another lock and either start working on another ship that hasn't been hit much and still has shields or trying to just do better damage against something that's at range three and denying the range bonus. I think plasma torpedo right now, it's not even just an L exclusive thing. It's probably the best secondary weapon in the game. Well, yeah, we saw what a huge decrease in the cost of plasma torpedoes and, and then the ability for them to go, hey, why don't we just let every ship that has a bunch of shields be cheaper? You know, I mean, just the, I don't know how many times you use the plasma torp against Han, but, you know, with five shields, you can literally in a, you know, in, in, in a game, you can start stripping Han shields and make Han the primary target of obliteration if you want. You know, like it gives you that option. And Han's pretty easy to bullseye. So, and Han doesn't get bullseyes on you typically because his arcs off to the side. Sometimes they run it straight, but it's that that's a high that's a lower don't, probability don't that. of that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. So so I think you know it, it, with your list, like whether you say this is a direct Han counter 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 or not, this list does have higher amounts of counters towards Han style lists than other lists do. And we are seeing Han be Han and Luke be. Um, I would say at least forty percent of the meta right now, and I think with Boy Luke versus Normal Luke, you're not taking you're you're not able to do the angled boosts anymore, right? It's a straight boost. So if you don't have Luke lined up to get a bullseye on you, Ferris Fear triggers like all the time against Luke. It's like yeah, go ahead, whatever you you do, you don't take a lock. Like, well, I don't care. It's just better for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you do um, take a lock, like I'm, I'm, ex- I'm most of the time expecting him to take the lock anyway and deal with the stress. I just have to be in the position to punish them for taking that stress. Yep. So, so I originally started running Ferris Fear on Poe, um, X-Wing, like way back in, that was, that was what I would run on Poe. That was my favorite thing in the world. I thought that was the best upgrade for Poe. It was three points, you know, for Christ's sake, you know, I, even back in the day. So like, it's not it's not crazy to see this do decently well, at least in this meta. Um, so the question is, is do you feel that other lists are going to be able to start targeting or um, building around Ferrisphere P, Ferrisphere paint? So, you know, like your rogues, you're probably going to lose out against rogues, right? You know, but only two factions get them. So and right now, those are the two factions that nobody wants to run. <laughs> so except for me. Um, so there's a lot less CIS and scum being ran um, than normal. You know, so, so, so are you afraid of Ferris Fear now that people say, okay, there's an ability or a power here? Are you afraid that this list may lose power over time? Is this what we would call a um, meta, a specifically a meta changing style list where we now are going to have to shift the meta 
to accommodate this style of blitz? To be honest, uh, I don't know right now. I because we haven't gotten to the point like one, I didn't win Nova. Um, Paul Heaver, when he took his arcs, he won LSO. People looked at that and saw he went through a large field of Hans. Now, it wasn't just that he beat a Han in the final. He went through a large field of Hans and Lukes in LSO. Um, a lot of people tend to focus on the winner of an overall event, which totally fine. Like they did awesome. The list was good. Um, so because I didn't win and maybe some people who aren't full, fully bought into Ferrosphere or they want to tweak it so they don't feel like they're just copying me or whatever that is. Cause there, there's a miss. There's like a, a feeling of that for some people. They don't want to just copy someone else. I don't, see it as a problem ever um if you want to try something do it if anything you should try out the base version someone else did successfully first and then as you play it if you like if someone took my list and was like i'd rather have m9g8 on elo instead of plasma or i'd rather have x on this or whatever but keep all the ferrosphere and keep the false transponder code cast or maybe not even keep the false transponder code on cast there's legitimate reason to consider that if one ship doesn't have aerosphere that might tunnel vision your opponent and you might be able to find them predictably going after that and you could punish them for doing so them knowing they want to reach out and try and target lock and go after Kaz, who might be hanging farther back and saying i'll wait to come in because i don't have aerosphere but i have all these other tools that might be better or I think there's a legitimate reason to consider Zori instead of Kaz. Zori's been doing really well. I'm not personally a fan of Zori. I might try her in the future, but maybe she can be all right. And most loadouts I have tried with Zori or tried building with Zori don't have Ferrosphere. But again, you can weaponize that to your opponent because you know they're going to not want to target lock anyone but Zori if they have the ability to. So you can sort of play that in a way. Um, so... Uh, can this style list exist in var slight variations? Sure. Is it going to show up a lot enough to evolve the meta in, in, like, in like, say, this is the resistance flagship list type of thing, and this is what you have to expect, and you got to plan for it? Will, and if that, if that happens... Can, will people develop matters that will help deal with it? You might see stuff like people going back to custom Tomax because it's Barrage Rocket and not Plasma Torp to get that bullseye, even though he has a barrel roll to get it, which is potentially easier to get the bullseye for it. Um, you could see, I don't know, just less lock-based offense, but no one... I. I I, I would not stop bringing Luke Skywalker just because Ferrosphere exists, basically. I wouldn't stop bringing Jag in that Republic list just because Ferrosphere exists. Would I have a plan or start thinking about how I would fight it? Yes. Um, but at this point, it's probably a little early to say if it is going to be a meta. I think five, quote unquote, five T70s is already a meta piece that people should be preparing for. There are just so many iterations of it that you just need to understand what they want to do and what pieces are priority targets depending on what your opponent's 
Yeah, that's fair. So now when you're talking about, you know, bringing um, this type of list here um, and people like copying there, what what do you think what uh, what makes it uh, that list unique in a sense that it's something else that others can play it and it's not specifically ta tailored to like your style, like you said earlier, you know, uh, you're, you're definitely a more aggressive type player, uh, whereas other players might be a little more... Um, a little more standoffish or a little more cautious in the way that they fly. Um, wh what do you think would make that list unique to tailor to their play style in order for them to like really take advantage of it? Um, I guess it, if people have sort of a preservation mindset in their list, you could see uh, maybe instead of LO taking Plasmatorp, you're looking at like, Predator heroic, right? Another heroic there, reasonable. Um, instead of Kaz going false transponder code notorious, where you're just uh, giving them consequences for shooting Kaz if they're in his arc, you can instead go more defensive Kaz with shield R2D2, uh, since R2D2 is not used. And sometimes that cat that Kaz hangs around quite a while. Uh, he can be very, very annoying. Um, there's not much really to play with with that Jess or Lulo uh, unless you drop a Ferrosphere off one of them, particularly Jess. And maybe if you don't go the R2-D2 route on Kaz, you could put R2-D2 on Jess. Like that's reasonable as well. Um, I think what what makes this list different, especially since it is a beatdown stylist, it's an aggressive list. It wants to fight. It wants to trade shots. It wants to come out ahead early is that uh, it has what it has over like the arcs, which is commonly considered to be one of the better jousting lists in the game, uh, is or at least better aggressive or wants to fight you beatdown style list. This one has speed. It has boost. It has barrel. It can get up the board quick. It it's not none of them are really tethered to each other. Sure, you want at least a wingmate for Jess. But if everything converges on the same general area and target, she'll find rerolls. Someone will be range one. It's not a big deal. Um, most of the time, I do kind of hang Kaz next to Jess, but I don't try and make it like a you have to do this or otherwise Jess won't do anything good. But if it's better for the game in the situation, like I'll split them if I need to. Uh, and I think because a lot of these ships don't have to stay near each other and can be independent, that means I can bring... So I also, by the way, with this list, I'm bringing all the biggest rocks. I want to disallow Han easy access around the board. I want to set up difficult rock formations in the middle for ARC-170s to get around, especially in the formations the trip arc Padme wants to run. I want to funnel people into certain areas. I want to make complete size of the board like extremely hard to navigate and i say i'm gonna exist on this side of the board and i'm gonna get all these objectives if you want to come get me you're gonna have to joust me and i've set this up because i know i can out joust you if i'm facing list i can out joust um and i put all these rocks over here so it's hard for you to flank me or get around me or i've moved the objectives or put them in a certain way on the board so that i get i say i'm gonna occupy this space and if you come here you're gonna have to fight me instead of moving around me type of thing. So 
Uh, there is a certain amount of aggression utilizing the speed and not just straight up like, I'm going to come at you. You need to still engage from multiple vectors and force them to choose something so that someone is something has free reign to move around and get uh, shot by maybe just one thing, which most of the time won't do much to it. Now, I do like that you brought that up because uh, I know that when I spoke to you at Nova, you had told me that you had only practiced that list, I believe, four times, if you, if I remember correctly, plus the games that you had at Nova. Um, now, um, what do you feel, uh, what type of practice does it take for you to know the list, uh, how, how well it performs um, for you uh, versus uh, something to that... You know, it might be okay for for Tony, but really, you'll just shelve it for a later time. Like, how, how did you make that determination? Um, I'd say there's no hard and fast rule for it, but because everyone is different, how they're going to approach and what kind of practice they're going to get. Because honestly, like, there's a certain uh, I could beat around the bush. There's a quality level difference of like what some people might get in their practice group versus another practice group. And um, I feel I, I mean, I try and do pickup games when I can, but I try and make sure it's against people that I know whether they feel good or not about playing the night or they're trying something else doesn't matter. Uh, bouncing ideas around, trying things out. And a lot of times playing games where I'm not. I'm not playing it as if I'm playing in a competitive event where, oh, missed opportunity I have to, we have to move on, like go by the rules, etc. Most of the time I'm playing games where, oh, you did this move. Now you're facing a rock or you land on a rock. You should probably not do that. Back that up, pick a different move. Let's because if you, if you win games and practices from mistakes like that, you don't really learn a ton. So I like a lot of times we'll have the option to roll back, reconsider, or just openly talk about our action choices openly talk about where things are probably going to go. Should this obstacle be here? If you're just think about that, it's a lot of open discussion play so that both players can from each other's perspective, talk about what's going on. And sometimes if you open it up in like a discord and uh, people are comfortable coming in and spectating, even having your third or fourth person around, just like talk about the game with you too. It's really nice to have the outside perspective to discuss, not like, 50 people on Twitch trying to tell you what to do type of thing. That's not what I'm yeah. looking for. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. for more focused, um, uh, small group mindset uh, to really try and figure things out. And I guess I honestly, if I was going to Nova with this, if I didn't do good with it, um, I might shelf, I might have shelved it for later because I was just sort of stress testing its capability because I know some version of 5G70 is good. I was trying to figure out which one and Ferrosphere seemed like something I could put in Nova. And when I was working on it, like, as you said, I had about five ish total games with only this Ferrosphere iteration. I tried about other three to five ish with the sort of standard 5T7 without Ferrosphere beforehand. So I had a feeling how things moved around. I've played a bunch of resistance before in the past. I'm familiar with T70s and CAS and et cetera. So, um, Luckily, the faction itself and its pilots were not new to me, so I had a little bit of background in that. But then on top of that, sometimes you just got to look at, like, you got to be ready to go to an event and not feel like you've tested everything, but still feel comfortable playing the list in the effect that 
I wasn't sure before Nova Ferrosphere was going to be the correct call. It felt right. It seemed like it was good. It was doing good in my tests. It was doing what I wanted it to do, which was make people think about their locks and punish them for taking them. But by no means was I going to Nova thinking, oh, this is it. This is the debut of some big mind scheme thing. This is going to be the next big buster or whatever. Like, no, <laughs> I went to Nova like this is my stress test for it. I'm I'm here to Nova to like hopefully do well, but find out if this avenue of list is good enough. Can it stack up? Can it do well? So far, it's done well and passed. I mean, I've got top four Nova. That's really good for me. I really, I'm really happy I got that far. Um, but you know, a couple months down the road, if I took it to another event and it didn't do so well, maybe I'd consider adjustments, but I wouldn't like completely shelve it. Just because yeah, I think there's five T70s that are really good. This might be one of the main iterations that is good. Um, when you actually go on a practice list, I think at baseline, if you're trying to practice for an event, whether you're about to go to the, the Golden State Open that's coming up soon, or Michigan GT, or Crossroads, or PAX Unplugged, you should have at least some games against the meta pieces of Han mainly Han the most the arc 170s are starting to drop in their popularity I think people are figuring out how to fight them yes you should still have games against them though yes you should buy some games games against Vader and Empire stuff with bombers definitely Han you should have plans how to deal with those lists don't be married to any piece or tech you have in your list as you try and like just because um just because you might feel really good about, like, let's say I was going through and I was like, oh, I think maybe Lulo might do well. And maybe I play some games and I just, Lulo keeps failing for me, right? Like, but Ryan, he did really well with Lulo. That's how it's supposed to be. I got to make it work. Like, it doesn't work for you. Like, you're okay to move on and go to something where you're more comfortable with. Whether it's like Vanessa or Zori or whatever, right? Your baseline should be, I'm comfortable with this going into this event. I know what I need to do with this list against Han and other high meta staples. And you're willing to go to an event where you don't have all the answers. And that's okay. That event is going to answer some questions that you have about your own list for you. Honestly, every event I go to is really just prep to understand the meta up until Worlds. That's all it is. I'm not going to have all the answers by Nova or I'm not going to have all the answers by Gen Con. In all yeah. these events that we've already had, like you're answering those questions as you play these games. So you're, and you're never gonna get more games than at an event. So the best you can really do is prep and be comfortable with your list. That's it. You may not have the answers yet, but at least you have the prep and you're, you have a comfort level with what you're playing. Yeah. And I think if you look at, you know, like when I first started running T81. I think that was like a big thing. Everybody was like, oh my God, you know, you're running the Tri-Fighter. It's four points. Why would you do that? But I was running T81 at five points and having success with that droid. So when they moved on the four points, it was kind of like, well, I've had success at five points. Like it just gets better from here for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I won't lie and say, you know what T81 hates? Bombs. Um, you know what he really hates? Ion bombs. Um, and I won't lie and say I've made more than one mistake 
when somebody drops an IM bomb, you're just like, I know you're going to do it. I don't care. I'm going to kill you this round. And then you roll three hits and they roll two evades and live on one health. And you're like, yep, well, that <laughs> IM bomb just ruined, <laughs> ruined my life right there. So, you know, there you go. Five straight um, boost. <laughs> yeah, but those experiences after they happen, then you know the next time. Like, where do I need to be? What do I need to do to not have that happen again? Right. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, like I, I played my league game um, against uh, Walter this week. Right. Last night, you know, we had some confusion. We played late. I won't lie and say I was 100 percent sober and that I didn't spend all day reorganizing my board game room because we're downsizing a lot of our life because we've continued to move into smaller houses. And now my mother-in-law wants to come live with me. So um, we've, we're, we're continually like downsizing and um, I get one room. So I got to figure out how to get everything in here. And it was a for fun game. Cause it's a for fun league. Right. But I will say, you know, opening engagement, when you kill Vizier, you go, Hmm, this feels like an easy game. Vizier died round, you know, two. I pretty much should have this game in the bag, but I'll tell you what, ion bombs do not <laughs> ion uh -huh. bombs will stop you so that you can drop two bomblet generators and you can't do anything with T81 when he rolls against bomblet generator. You just can't do anything. It is what it is. I can't reroll. Wish those you could dice. be like Connery roll those, but you can't. You can't. No. <laughs> exactly. It would be nice. Like if they fix that if T81 could do that, oh my god. Like <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, you you play what you know, right? And like I've been playing T eighty one since when he was five points. Like that was just a, a thing I played. Whereas Dooku, for example, Dooku, um, SOC Dooku, I've not played since he came out. I played him a little bit, didn't have success. Now maybe he's good, but I know T eighty one, and um, I think that's when we talk about you know how do we move towards understanding the meta and creating a unique list. It's play what you know and then understand how other people play against that and if you have success all around with that it's probably a decent piece for that price and grievous is a great i, I guess i should stop using cis but grievous is a great example when you had outmaneuver grievous how often did you run shield upgrade and something else you did mm -hmm. you you did you just didn't yep. you ran outmaneuver grievous because it worked and now grievous is the same points but now he doesn't get outmaneuver is grievous still good Yes, he's just a little bit more fair. So there's other things that can come into place, like Sunfac or, um, really, it's only Sunfac, I guess, um, <laughs> that yeah. hits that five point sweet sweet spot. You know. Yeah. But you now on on the other side of the coin. So yes, I always like to encourage play what you're comfortable with, but always know and have a feeling of like if you're if you're out there and you're like, hey. I'm going to take like two B wings, a rebel Hawk. And that's not called in like Heritani or whatever. Some weird combination. You have to understand and know that like, if you look across app, like websites like pattern analyzer that show you what's been good, what has some decent success, what's showing up. Like, yes, you can go in and you want to bring stuff you're comfortable with, but then you should also be able to, have a feeling on your expectations of your results and event. Like if you're bringing a lot of completely across the board, off meta, not generally competitive, hasn't seen a lot of success, and 
if you want to test it out and you know it's just a testing bed and like for like a store champ, but you like go in thinking I'm going to win this because I brought all this new tech and I've thought about this in my list building and I've had two games with it against my buddy that lives next door or whatever, right? You got to be able to set your expectations sometimes because there there's a certain level of like, sure, play what you're comfortable with. But also, if what you're comfortable with is generally not very successful, you have to know that you probably will just be a little more successful than everyone else has, but not as much to where you're going to go as high as you'd like to in most cases. There's there's a fine line between bringing what you're comfortable with and then understanding what you're likely going to result in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I wish everyone could bring all the stuff that they love to play the most and they could have the most success in the world. But not everything's created equal in X-Wing, as we all know in the past. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for example, Grievous is not Vader. (laughs) So there you go. There's a thing. I would love to bring a droid swarm to an event and win it. But I'm not getting out of Swiss with a trade swarm. <laughs> and what for Isophane, man? Come on. <laughs> I, you know what? Oh, more power to him. Go do it, man. It's fun. It's fun. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. What we're going to do is let's move on and talk about some of the store champs. Um, I think we're probably only going to get to cover. The Madrid Madrid one. Yeah. So I apologize to anybody else. We will be doing an Ahsoka episode right after this. So Ryan, you're welcome to stick around and talk spoilers if you want. Um, but we're only going to cover Madrid tonight because I, I I don't feel I don't feel the energy to cover all the other ones. Um, and we'll just save them for next week. So yeah, yeah. All right. So join us for our pattern analyzer segment coming up here in just a second. All right. For our pattern analyzer segment tonight, we're going to be covering Madrid World Qualifier. On the screen, you can kind of see which which ones, which of the factions do better. Scum comes out on that bottom end there, unfortunately. Um, Weirdly to say, FO is on the lower end, too, with Resistance making a very dominant, very, very dominant appearance here tonight jj you want to run really quickly run us down the factions for the tournament yeah absolutely so uh for the most uh for the faction distribution uh take a look here the number one uh faction that showed up was the rebel alliance with 16 lists uh followed by the galactic empire with 15 lists and then very close with the resistance with 14 lists uh then we got the galactic republic coming in with just eight lists and then the scummy Bentley separatists and first order coming in with four three and two uh to finish off the rest of those factions i am definitely very surprised that the first order um came in with only two lists uh, i feel like the first order is actually a much stronger faction um, but it, it just depends on what's available in that local area you know it's probably different from us very different yeah is spain just not like fo 
it's funny because it feels like Europe has a stronger FO presence than America does. Yeah. But not this turn. There's more CIS yeah. lists than there was FO. It might just be more, uh, more specific to the UK scene is very big in, into FO. I, I, I've talked to a couple of specifically Dom Flanagan, talked to him quite often, uh, about, you know, his, his experiences and lists he's tried and, uh, FO is way more popular in the UK than I think anywhere we've seen a world qualifier so far. Now, question is, do you think that they believe that the First Order doesn't have enough answers to the current battle that we're seeing from Rebels and and um, and the Republic? I think uh, there's there's a I haven't got, gotten around to the let's try some FO stuff. <laughs> yeah this whole points update uh just hasn't been on my, it's been sorry it's been on my radar technically but it it hasn't garnered my attention enough to actually put it on the tape I, like i've pl- i i don't play empire like almost ever i just last night tried out an empire list before i tried an fo list it doesn't mean that i don't believe empire or sorry fo can't have good pieces it just seems like there's there's almost there's so many options within their specific point pools because they they don't have a, a a six coster or two coster so they're stuck at three a, maybe one or two fours that matter mostly fives and then kylo silencer that five point range has so many interchangeable parts and multiple loadout variations within those parts that I just kind of shoved that aside. It's like, I'll let other people figure this out. <laughs> nice. So if we look at, if we look at the, the top pilots for it, we have Elo coming in number one, probably not surpri- surprising. Reimer, Tomax, Bren, Boy Luke, in fairness, usually it's at the top, but with more resistance, uh, Luke kind of comes in after that. The biggest surprise, though, is Black Squadron. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's just because a couple of lists ran a bunch of them, but they, most likely, they, yeah, they have the high one of the highest ship counts that happened. Just crazy, yeah. right? That's crazy to me. And um, I do want to make the clarification that the Rhymer and Tomax brand are the custom uh, Tomax and Rhymer, uh, not the new ones that came out, the standard loadout ones. Well, do you know, um, I guess that's a question for Eek Pair. I don't know if um, it distinguishes the two or not. It yet. should. Yeah, I think it should because they've been pretty good about uh, adding the acronyms for where each ship comes from for like, you know, the uh, the, the Imperial Starter Pack or uh, Battle We Have in our SOC. Um, so I think this is accurate. I'm going to test it right now. I'm going to their analyze tab and filtering by empire and just seeing if I can actually see the difference in the two versions of Tomax. Those would be the main ones that would. Yeah. Let's see. Control F Tomax. Yeah. Two. And if Eek is listening, that would be something we'd, we'd want to talk about. Like, is there a way to distinguish, you know, like I know you have it with boy Luke, but that'd be okay. something we want to make sure we separate. Yeah, yeah right now like... on, on Pattern Analyzer, it just says Tomax brand for 
both slots. There's no oh, like okay. in parentheses like yeah, in TBE. bomber pack or starter because there's technically three Tomex prints, but no one plays the starter Tomex. <laughs> uh, so, why? Because these five points. I mean, <laughs> yes. I don't remember how many points this was. I just know it was too many. It's five. It's five. It's okay, five too yeah, many. Yeah. We looked. <laughs> we had this discussion the other week. It's, that's it's that's ridiculous. Like, that's I mean, two and I, a half to Black Squadron Aces, man. Come on. If, if, if I filter by count and I see the Tomex in here at number one as 326, I don't think there's been 326 bomber pack Tomexes yet. The other one is 20. And I'm pretty sure that's the bomber pack one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. He he listens to the show. They're they're really good about um helping us fix and make this uh website better. So when we look at the top cut, we kind of see there was technically nine players that went four and one and better and one five and oh player. And um, ironically enough, the five and oh player did not win, but did make the top cut in terms of the top two. So when we talk about, you know, when Chris Allen does all these numbers and we like, go, okay, how do we analyze some of this stuff? One of the big things that we always talk about that Chris Allen is very big on is the more Swiss you have, the closer you get to eking out who's going to be in the top. And like, in fairness to this, we see the top two players are the top two that had to play each other in top cut. So in fairness, we are seeing that theory play out a lot more um, when we have larger Swiss pools than we had before. Yeah. Um, I'm actually really curious whenever Chris decides to compile the, the, Potentially it won't be to worlds, but this this season's worth of world qualifiers, and try to see um, how many of them had the undefeateds make it to the finals, at least make it to the finals, right? Whether they win or not, but like how many of the undefeateds in in the Swiss of the event made it to the finals? Because I know when we had larger cuts and less Swiss rounds, or just larger cuts in general we much more rarely saw the undefeated make it all the way to the final. But a good example from Nova, Wynand, uh, he was the top undefeated and he ended up winning the event. I was one game away from also being in there as the other undefeated. So to some degree, I think the system is working and getting us to situations where when the cut is smaller, it's getting the top players there and filtering out who those top players are with more rounds of Swiss. Yeah. And I think, you know, that was always the question of does this work? Does this not work? And we've never, we have a little bit of a unique um, distinction in how we run events. And I, I agree with you. Like, I hope Chris Allen releases a blog and I'll tell you what, Chris Allen, if you're listening, if you do do, if you, if you do do that and you actually like put all of that data together, get a hold of me because I mean, that's so that's what I like. That's what I do for a living. I'm I, I analyze statistics for the what I do for a job. So like for me, that's interesting. A lot of people don't think that, but I find it interesting as hell. Um, and it makes decisions on how I play games and what I do. So um so that's really your top cut. They did do when they had nine nine players, they did one extra round um where they did a play-in um for that. So there was that. But as we can see, here is the top eight lists 
with a lot of resistance here, and it's it's hilarious. Alex isn't here tonight, but he would I be know. like, um, Chris, I told you so. So I'll tell you what, Ryan, why don't you run down the winners list right here as a top resistance list that won the whole tournament? So we have by pilots, we have Elo, Temin, Jess, Lulo, and Zori. So by pilot, in difference of to what I ran, opted for Zori instead of Kaz. Talked about before, completely reasonable. Um, the fun part from here that I talked about, like, I don't know how many other people are going to be considered Pharosphere as a main piece. Uh, this player, uh, which I want, Wanyo, I will, uh, attempting to say it right, um, Brought Ferrosphere on Temin and Lulo. So only two ships that brought it had the same exact Lulo and same exact Temin being the R68 Ferrosphere Heroic Temin and the Shield Ferrosphere Paint Marksmanship Lulo. Opted for M9G8, a baffle on Jess, completely solid loadout. Um, Predator and Swarm Tactics on LO. I'm not too keen on Swarm Tactics myself that like because it seems like that means Ella was probably next to Jess Pava, making Jess 5, which, good to have another ship shooting at 5. Not as much of a fan of essentially making two pairs of jousting block, in a way, because someone else has to be probably near Zori to get Zori's ability active. If you don't need Ella next to Zori, or if you put Jess next to Zori, then Ella's also there, so they're kind of like a three ships in formation. I don't think that's really the strength of resistance. So um, probably just two pairs and then Lulo flying free, probably in some capacity. Temin maybe providing that focus for Zori or Lulo, maybe it depends. Um, and then we had Zori bringing plasma torpedo and, and wartime load up. But uh, instead of going for R4 astromech and dorsal opting for mag pulse warhead. So going sort of a, a, dual tech like i have something for this or i have something for this situation um i it's it's interesting i i rarely ever see zori without r4 i think like i could live without dorsal on zori to be honest r4 to me is the bigger deal when zori if zori uses her ability she's stressed whether she's stressed before her move or after her move her blues are much more restrictive without R4. I think R4 gives Zori a lot more opportunities to do moves that your opponent has to account for versus just one bank, one straight, or two straight, essentially. It does have but, a three straight, but you're right. Yeah, it, it's definitely Yeah, I couldn't remember if it had the three straight as well, but awesome. Yeah, Faster, yeah. wide, speedy. So, I mean, good on him. Great. I mean, is the bones of the list are great. Uh, as we saw, I think there are multiple iterations of 5T70, but I think this is the only one to bring Ferrosphere. And only two of them, so just a little bit of target priority messing with your opponent a bit. Wasn't all out. Uh, but congrats. Yeah, definitely. Alright, the next list is one we've seen before. Um, this was the 5-0 player with Han, Luke, Wedge, Keo, and Sabine. Literally, outside of Keo being Lone Wolf Concussion versus Juke, it's 
pretty much the list we see almost everywhere. Again, we talked about last week why Han is better with um, Chopper and Engine Upgrade than Trick Shot, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, and um, I, I don't know. It, that, that, that list is just a staple. We know what comes. JJ, what list showed up as number three with an Empire somewhat distinct list? Go ahead. Brian. Yeah. So, Brian has real one. quick, I want to know. Yeah. Most people bring crack shot or predator on that wedge. Elusive, I think it's actually a decent call. Yes, wedge is one of the potential targets after Luke that people commonly go to if they can't get to Han. I think elusive is actually a pretty good call on that wedge. Just want to note that. Yeah, especially since you always want to keep time on target. You know, being able to engage, you're probably using up your elusive um, if you end up spending your focus on offense, uh, and then just turning around to or slipping to keep time on target with wedge. Um, having that elusive to recharge is definitely a very very good call. Yeah, I agree. Um, so going on over to the Empire list that we have here. Now we have a double decimator and double bomber list here. So we have Rear Admiral Shernu with Trick Shot, Death Troopers, Minister Tua, uh, Agile Gunner, Thermal Detonators, and Electronic Baffle. Um, if you're not familiar with Minister Tua, it allows uh, Rack to take a red reinforce if he is damaged, meaning he has at least one damage card on the hull for that ship. Uh, really, really good tech for uh, for Rack since he does want that reinforce to activate its ability. Next up is Born a Key with Trick Shot, Darth Vader Crew, Agile Gunner, Concussion Bombs, Delayed Fuses, and the Dauntless Title. Tomax Bren with Feedback Ping, Magpulse Warheads, Scale Bombardier, Bombman Generator, and Delayed Fuses. And then Major Rhymer with Feedback Ping, Homing Torpedoes, Thermal Detonators, and Delayed Fuses. Now, what's really nice about this here is most likely you're going to um, have Morna or Rack uh, go into the fray, uh, try to block your... Um, your ships uh, if you happen to take that red focus and are not able to clear uh range one bubble of more key uh or rack rather uh those death troopers are going to keep you stressed uh most likely you're going to end up taking those bombs or being in range of those bombs which allow tomax and rhymer to grab target locks on you and now they can hit you with a mag pulse uh for tomax and rhymer can hit you with a homing torpedo which uh, if you decide to just accept the crit damage that's just going to go right through or he's going to end up rolling four dice at you um this is a really really stinky list i definitely like that all of these uh have uh have bombs on them and if you get behind this list you're going to start eating some bombs there so it's it's really uh a really interesting empire list something that's uh like a fresh take on it so with um rack, what if you dropped trick shot and upgraded your thermal thermal detonators to um protons? You mean a uh, proximity mine? No, no, no. Proton, no. Is proton bomb would be the same cost as thermals, I believe. Yeah. So you drop trick shot. I don't know. I would drop trick shot. I guess maybe I'm just saying I would drop trick yeah, shot. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of uh seventh sister some if you're burning two decimators you're bringing one of them with vader the other one should have seventh yeah. sister in my opinion i think death troopers vader on one of them and then seventh sister on the other can wreak havoc on your if on your opponents deciding to do anything stress related yeah i do want to know this player when i looked at uh, their games and their profile within uh within this event uh they have their home flag list says egypt 
Hey, oh yeah, that's awesome. I don't know if they live there or just come from there when they were like born or grew up there, but their home flag shown from Egypt. Hey, so that's pretty cool. That is awesome. Um, also, though, so looking through their games, I mean, it it does really play to the the decimator strength. I don't know how many rounds they got in each game, but um, they ended up losing to the winner. Looks like in cut round three, whatever that turned out to be, whether that was like semifinals, probably in top four. But none of their games got to 20 points. And if and I don't know how many turns they got in the game or if just played uh, less aggressive with the decimators, but uh, 11, 10 victory, 8, 7 victory, 11, 10 victory, 15, 12 loss, 17, 7 victory, uh, bye for the first round of the cut because they're placed high enough, 15, 14 win, and then unknown uh, loss to the eventual winner. So I... I don't know if just didn't get enough rounds to play the game type of thing or played safer with the decimators, but uh, never winning a game uh, at 20 points. I mean, sure. Could like, could some of these games have felt over, but just the scoreboard showed that they were closer, completely plausible. Um, But generally when I see uh, these type of scoreboards that severely, uh, takes gives the decimators advantage because they're at most one of them is dying if if they are or it's just the two bombers really and even with objective point scoring especially with stuff like assault for the decimators or uh scramble push buttons like we see those numbers tick up enough something should hit 20 so it's just uh it definitely plays to the strength of decimators seeing lower score not go to 20 amount of games so don't know if it was not enough rounds slower play uh could have been anything but i'm sure it's the uh i hope it wasn't weaponized against their (laughs) opponent like it kind of is kind of was like like i don't know the person right i see what i see in the scoreboard i'm not a fan of it personally if i was judging in the event if i notice this consistently over the event i'd probably start keep an eye on their games more so just to see how many rounds they're getting i know that's not reported as to how many rounds they got so like congrats on the run cool list i would just like if i i always have a red flag or cautionary flag for any double decimator player that no, never gets to 20 points in their scores my it, guess is it that could be they, a control piece right yeah yeah, I, what what I was going to say is that my guess is for those since they didn't get to 20 rounds, my guess is that there are definitely a lot of range checks, especially when it came to death troopers, um, you know, maneuver templates. That means they got to mark a lot of ships to get out of the way so that we can measure to see if you get through the decimator or a large base. Um, that That's my guess Good for things that can cause the game to take an exorbitant amount of time there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. Like, you definitely want to see at least one or two of those games go to 20 points to have a satisfying conclusion. Look, All nothing right. against the guy. I don't know them. I, I wish them like awesome, great run. Cool to see players uh, representing their, their country or, or uh, in, in Africa. That's awesome to see player base still around in their, those areas. So great representation, great run. Congrats to them. 
All right. <clears throat> the next list that we have is a pretty unique, um, I guess that's super unique, but a double YT list. Ryan, what what is what is this list and why is there Jaeger, Jaeger in it versus um Kaz and BB? Single YT. Yeah, single YT. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's definitely a... Uh... Oh, yeah, you're right. I thought it was two YTs. <laughs> oh, no. So we have uh, four ship resistance here. Sort of the, uh, the, the the first AC aggression resistance list that we were come to know in the past, which is T-70 Poe, the trigger happy Poe, Ray, uh, Rorby Tice, the three-point RZ to A-Wing, and Jarek Giger. Uh, Ray running... Sort of, we got the baseline, Finn, Falcon, Rose, uh, Novice Technician, Heroic, and Heightened Perception instead of Engine Upgrade. Um, I've seen a few people try Heightened on Ray. As long as she doesn't get initiative killed, which you can make sure doesn't happen with Heightened Perception. There's a lot of people who I assume uh, go for kill shots on Ray in her arc and uh, find out that's not a kill shot this turn. It is a you get shot, and then I try and do as much damage to you before I die, or kill you first. So, reasonable. I still like Engine Upgrade a little more. Uh, we got Ho, who has Heroic, R4, Ferrosphere Paint, Proton Torpedoes, Overdrive Thrusters, Black One. Uh, squirrely Poe, crazy. I We don't see a lot of this Poe around. Poe Falcon's taking a little more. Um, but if I take Trigger Poe, uh, this is pretty close to seeing what I would consider. Bring Protor, bring Overdrive Thrusters, be hard to catch. Anything that isn't I-6 uh, is going to have a field day trying to get the ship. Um, and then Jarek Eager uh, bringing... Do we even have a missile? No, we don't. Just Heroic Marksmanship, R4 Astromech, Advanced Slam, Targeting Computer, and Kaz's Fireball. This seems like a pure objective ship. Yeah, that's what like I'm saying. Just this is the moving objective around the board. Yeah. Advanced slam. I hope he never advanced slammed into an objective action because he can't do that. It's not in your action bar. But uh, not bringing any additional firepower, whether it's concussion missiles or neutering firepower with mag pulses, which is usually what we see. And then just an RC2 aiming with elusive with Warby. Um, you're right. Tanner, most of the time, we see the last six points not committed to two three-pointers. It's committed to a Kaz, an Elo, a Zori with BB-8. Like, here's your objective BB-8 two-point chip, and then here's your other, like, real, I bring another gun chip, basically. So it's interesting to see this variation <clears throat> perform as well as it did with not really a fighting Jarek and an RZ-2 that sometimes gets a couple pot shots in. And just Array and Poe trying to be as angry as possible. Yeah, it, it feels like they're leaning into the Ray Poe aspect here. I don't know. The next list is almost identical. <laughs> so it's a identical Poe, right? Um, and then this one has Ray, but your version of Ray with the engine upgrade versus the other piece, right? And then BB-8 and L. So it's like almost the same thing, except for it's LO with um, HLC. Um, and I, 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 I prefer the plasmas, but maybe in a four shipless HLC makes more sense. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a common situation where LO is not going to get that plasma off before Poe, 
it sort of mitigated some of the shot, the shooting order potential. But uh, when you're I five and you get to focus link roll and get your bullseye and still shoot full dice, that's pretty valuable as well. Uh, the ray did opt for dead man switch instead of novice technician as well. So uh, expecting if Ray dies, just make sure other people get hurt around her. Yeah, that's a call. That's that's a really good call, actually. <laughs> you want to kill Ray? I'm going to kill you, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, JJ, the next list is an Empire list with the Black Squadron Aces, which is what we were seeing earlier. Yeah, <laughs> What is absolutely. this list? So this is another variation of the bombers list that are becoming very, very popular here. So we got Major Rhymer with Saturation Salvo, Barrage Rockets, uh, Seismic Charges, and Delayed Fuses, Captain Jonas with Sat Salvo, Barrage Rockets, and Bomblets, uh, Tomax Bren uh, with Sat Salvo, Barrage Rockets, and the Bomblet Generator, uh, the Battle Yavin Vader, uh, which automatically comes equipped with Marksmanship, Pape, and Afterburners, and then two Black Squadron Aces to round off this list. Uh, so, I mean, hey, who knew? You can fit vader and uh, three bombers and two tie fighters uh in this list making an empire six ship list and i gotta say this is definitely a really interesting take on it um those bombers being able to uh really put out some really good offense uh especially with saturation salvo uh making you re-roll your natty evades uh it can be a little bit of a menace um but and especially if you could use those black squadron aces to set up blocks to prevent um you know repositions for targets to really pin down somebody and uh, get a good shot on their boy vader uh, very very accurate ways ability um, to uh, pretty much print out three hits every time as long as vader has a target lock uh, it can definitely be a very very good list and uh, yeah congrats like this list all right <clears throat> the last uh the next list is a republic list with keel um little different with keel with cluster missiles um we not typically seen cluster missiles on keel before um it does make sense to do some of that then we have boy luke chopper with dorsal saw guerrera and veteran veteran turret gunner um a little bit more of an aggressive chopper that wants to say hey i'm gonna double tap you Horton Psalm, which is hilarious because I love Horton Psalm. That's like my favorite Y-Wing run if I'm going to run one with uh, Magpulse and Seismics. And then Hull, Boy Hull with Dorsal Turret, APT, and Precision Astromech. Um, very different not seeing a Han in this hop cut, right? Like, yeah. Or not seeing that, like, more of that in this list. I don't know. Like, does, does anybody feel downgrading the chopper and running two Y wings is beneficial. I mean, honestly with this list here, I think choppers, the operative, uh, like piece in this list right because choppers ability if you're able to set up a block you're also setting up jams for those uh those ships that are coming in and can potentially get blocked horton psalm's ability works off of having another friendly ship at range uh zero to one of that defender so uh that 
that's a bit of synergy there between Horton and Chopper right there. Um, being able to punch in additional damage uh, on a unmodded ship uh, with Luke and Hull Oaken with those events ports on torpedoes is a nice bonus as well. Uh, I, I mean, there's definitely a lot of synergy there. And if you can set up your objectives right and your your obstacles right, you can force your opponent into an area where Chopper is going to be at uh, the best spot to take up a lot of space and set up blocks and the rest of the list just punishes uh, very, very well. And so, yeah, I like this list. All right, Ryan, what is the last list that we have in the top cut here? Uh, we are back to our version of 5T70 uh, <clears throat> utilizing Elo, Temin, Vanessa, Jess and Zori. So Zori instead of Kaz, Vanessa instead of Lulo. Uh, we have sort of a more regular Zori, Dorsal R4 Plasma. We have uh, Heroic R2D2 on Elo. That's actually pretty reasonable. It's something that's, uh, you know, they want to get rid of one of your I5s off the board. And giving him R2 is pretty nice to let him get a little bit of health back and then make it to the turns he wants the Talon roll. And work his way around opposing ships. Uh, Temin going for heavy laser cannon and BB astromech. So really weird squareliness when you could pre-reposition with the barrel roll in the system phase, and probably gives you room to then do those two speed moves and boost if you want. Uh, Vanessa with the baseline barrage rocket marksmanship, and then Jess Pava with the M9G8 baffle combo. I'm assuming. See who I have a lot of options. There's not a lot of double modifications in this list with besides Zori. So and if Vanessa gets bullseye. So my guess is Jess is just gonna decide to lock either Temin or Elo. Not sure which. But you have the choice. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different take. It feels like it's a more dice variant version of it. And a little bit more defensive, especially with that R2D2. That that R2D2 is a very defensive astromech in that list for it. So well, all right. <clears throat> it was it was fun. Like that was I will say that's a fun world qualifier seeing a bunch of yeah. resistance lists um hit the top. I don't know. It feels more beneficial or I guess more different than seeing a million rebel lists. So I'm kind of excited we got to see, you know, four of the uh the eight be resistance. And um it is pretty fun seeing some different variations. Um whether they prove out to work towards worlds or not, I don't know. So hopefully some of those players come to worlds and we can kind of see if the resistance meta is a thing or not. Um with that being said, we're gonna wrap up the show tonight. We went a lot longer than I thought we would. Um, I'm, I was a little surprised. I thought we, we, I thought we'd be under an hour and a half, but tonight we Just, went a little bit longer. So we love the game, man. We love talking lists, and yeah, it's yeah. always fun. And 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 no offense, Lou, but pickle chips are better than ketchup chips. I'm just gonna say it right now. Just hands down, <laughs> like I'm gonna throw that out there. I've had um, both, and I gotta agree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you, Ryan, so much for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure to have you on. It was a pleasure to talk about you, a unique list building, and it is exciting to see that no matter what we think when the meta gets solved, 
there's always lists that pop up that can say, hey, I'm still here. Let's not let's not just say let's not just say that a meta the meta is solved anymore. Let's let's accept that there's unique variations to everything we want to play. Well, yeah, metas are never solved when people say they are. It's yeah. it, there's always evolution. It's just a matter of are people taking not only time to discover, but valid uh, discovery attempts, not just like. I tried this list once at my local store and it bombed versus this one matchup. Now I'm never going to play it again. Like that's not really a test. Yeah. Now, if you could figure out how to run eight ship CIS list and make it really viable, send me a message. Don't tell anyone else in the world. Just let me know. Um, Cause I would love to run that again. That was like, I don't know. That was the best thing. That's how I got into X-Wing is I got pissed off at swarms and decided I was going to run a swarm. So, all right. Well, that being said, if you want to stick around, we are going to do a spoiler cast for Ahsoka. We're going to take a two or three minute break just to refresh, switch the browser up. If you want to join us, you're welcome to join us for the um, after hours Ahsoka cast. If not, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, 2100 Eastern or 0100 UTC time. Thank you all. Have a good night. And we'll be back with more Ahsoka in just a few minutes. See you later.